Conversations on Economic Opportunity, produced by Ann Arbor Spark. Ann Arbor Spark is a public private academic partnership that's creating economic activity and prosperity in the Ann Arbor region. Innovative businesses and leaders are what make Ann Arbor a destination for startups and growing global businesses. By sharing their stories, they share what makes this region stand out for the exceptional schools, abundant parks, amazing community services that all contribute to our quality of life. Conversations on economic opportunity are a way to spotlight those who are helping this region thrive. Joining me today is Ruben Sarkar, who is the CEO of the American Center for Mobility. Um, and I've gotten to know Ruben over the past, I guess it's now two years. He's been in the job a year and a half, but uh, I am a, a board member of ACM and did participate in the recruitment process. So it's a little longer than his actual tenure. But Ruben, for, for our audience um, who may know a little bit about ACM, uh, one of the things we want to do today is, is uh, give them a good update about where, where things are. But I think at the beginning, just letting the audience learn a little bit about you because I know as we recruited you to this position, we were incredibly impressed with your background um, and what you had done prior to this, both um, in high federal governmental positions, but also in right in the industry working with startups. So maybe take a couple minutes and, and tell us a little bit about how, how you ended up here at ACM. Sure, and I, I guess it's an interesting story because I started my career at the facility that is now ACM more than 20 years ago when it was a General Motors facility and you know, fast forward 20 years, I'm back here at ACM trying to do um, good mobility work there. But, you know, just by way of introduction, I do have a very kind of eclectic and diverse background in, um, in transportation and sustainable transportation, a little more than 20 years. And the common thread has always been, you know, clean, sustainable, safe transportation uh, and advancing uh, mobility uh, and the movement of people and goods. Um, I started my career at General Motors at the Willow Run facility when it was GM Hydromatic. Uh, I had um, started off as the oil guy, I was a chemical guy by degree, but I ended up as the electric guy, as the lead engineer on the first generation Chevy Volt powertrain, uh, which then went on to become the same platform that's used in a number of GM's electric vehicles. Uh, I spent about 10 years in corporate OEM product development space, and then I springboarded out uh, into the world of startups at the completion of my business degree and just wanting to really take what I learned in, in developing new products and see whether I could help launch some new areas. And so I joined uh, Proterra doing electric buses um, when they were just in a garage, fast charge electric buses and fuel cell buses. They recently went public now and are actually a growing and thriving business and helping push forward on the front of uh, clean transit. Um, I spent time in other startup companies also focused on advanced areas of transportation and then at the highest levels of federal government, I used to oversee the sustainable transportation sector for the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy, where I oversaw the Vehicle Technology Office, the Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Technology Office, uh, as well as the Bioenergy Offices, and then a number of kind of clean manufacturing initiatives. So, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, seen transportation from a number of viewpoints, and now here in a public-private partnership and a nonprofit you know, as a shared infrastructure asset for validation of technology. So corporate OEM, highest levels of federal government, startup companies, all the way now into um, public-private partnerships. Yeah, and I think I think that was what the, what the board was very excited about in having you join ACM uh, to as its CEO because you had such a, a diverse and, and great background uh, that was, was really what was going to be really important to move uh, 
the facility forward and, and the activities that we're doing there. So with that, um, you know, maybe again, assuming we sometimes assume everybody knows, you know, what we're talking about, but let's take a minute. And can you explain to listeners what ACM is and what activities are taking place at the facility as we speak? Yeah, sure. Um, at, at a high level, we are a shared use smart mobility test center. Um, back in, you know, let's say the mid, uh, you know, 2015, 2014, there was a significant push uh, towards um, connected and autonomous vehicles. And some people may be familiar with M-City that was built over at the University of Michigan, which was a, about a 26 acre test facility for research into connected and autonomous vehicles. I think it was realized at that point in time, though, that a, a larger facility was required more focused towards product validation and commercialization of technologies. And so ACM was uh, formed as a public-private partnership at a, a previously uh, GM facility. Uh, it was the prior um, hydromatic um, and transmission plant and, and uh, transmission engineering facility um, was redesigned to be a purpose-built 500-acre smart mobility test center designed for the testing of initially connected and autonomous vehicles and now a broader set of mobility technologies. Uh, but if people aren't familiar with what types of activities happen at a smart mobility test center, if you're familiar with test tracks or proving grounds, a smart mobility test center basically takes road infrastructure, and in our case, real roads, because you want them to represent the kinds of roads that you're actually gonna drive on in real life. So miles and miles of different kinds of road environments. Layered in on top of that is then intelligent transportation systems network. So the cellular 4G, 5G, uh, as well as the DSRC or cellular to VDEX, the communications layer and the data backbone of the facility. And then on top of that is the, um, the specialized equipment, the kinds of robotic targets and things that we use that you can safely validate connected and autonomous vehicles. And then we also add in a fourth digital layer where we're developing you know, the software tools to help accelerate modeling simulation and the, you know, the, the virtual validation of vehicles. So um, ACM, you know, is, is basically a advanced state-of-the-art proving ground to test next generation um, mobility technologies. Very good, thank you. And what, one of the things that, that we're gonna talk about sort of next is um, that is, involves partnerships with outside organizations uh, to do things in the facility. I mean, as, as someone who is involved in this whole effort from the beginning, the idea kind of mirrors one of the ethos is at Spark, which we call open source economic development. And, and essentially this facility wasn't that you're, you're leading was intended to allow lots of different companies, lot institutions, universities, others to access the facility. It wasn't geared towards one. So one of them we understand, you know, now is important is a strategic partnership with Eastern Michigan University. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship? Because obviously ACM is in Ypsilanti Township. Eastern Michigan University is in Ypsilanti. And yeah. so it's, 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 it's a close and potentially very strong symbiotic relationship. So talk about what you're doing with Eastern. Yeah, and, and before I hit that, you mentioned something, Paul, I wanna uh, just re, uh, reiterate, or if I didn't mention it, you know, the importance of a shared use facility is these are very expensive to develop, right? And you don't want individual companies each replicating this. You want them to put their dollars into their product development and their technology. And so that's the real value of having this shared infrastructure is it could cost, you know, $100 million yeah. to $200 million to do this yourself. So, and, it's, and it also enables small companies and large companies to, to come in and share the infrastructure and then focus on their products. Um, with regards to Eastern Michigan, you know, uh, I'll just zoom out a little bit to universities in general. Um, there are some universities in the state like University of Michigan, 
uh, with M-City and even Kettering who have some test tracks of their own. Uh, there are a number of universities, however, that don't have access to physical locations to go do hands-on work uh, and to get exposure. Many universities who are developing autonomous vehicle programs don't even have permission to drive those autonomous vehicles on their own campuses. They can put them out in the parking lot. And then they're also not getting exposure to companies and to the real world product development processes. So the, the partnership with um, Eastern Michigan um, came out of um, their growing emphasis in developing a program around autonomous systems and also the cybersecurity programs that they had. Um, they have really great facilities. They have their new game above College of Engineering. Uh, that was also uh, some funding that came in to help them um, actually develop uh, an autonomous vehicle program to hire a senior research professor, but they don't have the location. They're actually running out of space to do the work. Um, they can't drive uh, on the tracks and um, there's just a growing need to be around some of the other industry partners. So Eastern Michigan um, has taken up residence on the campus of ACM, somewhat of an extension in their own laboratory space. Um, and what brought them there was not only the test facility, but also some of the other companies that were there that they're working with um, side by side with them in an adjacent garage is Perone Robotics uh, between uh, Eastern Michigan University and Perone Robotics, as well as Local Motors. They're helping Eastern Michigan develop their own autonomous shuttle platform and then using ACM as a facility they can come out there and, and drive on the property. So I think step one for Eastern was, you know, get, get to where the action was happening, be side by side with companies, get to work hands on with those companies uh, in our ecosystem, and then have access to a track that they can get on and drive around in a controlled environment. Uh, the second thing was they just wanted people to be exposed to companies and how companies do business. So we have a lot of automotive companies on property. Our plan is, is particularly as COVID starts to clear out, have more networking events, let the students mingle with the engineers, get to know how things work, have internship opportunities, and, and ultimately um, to, to have hiring opportunities. I mean, we recently hired our last hire was an Eastern Michigan grad that's actually starting here in, in January. And I think the, 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 the last piece, which is something we're looking forward to is looking for joint research opportunities. So once they staff that research professor, once they're on campus, can we together go out and try to find some new research opportunities in the area of sustainable transportation or even in cybersecurity to make their lab an extension of their own cybersecurity uh, capabilities and to maybe do joint well, microcertification programs on campus. So I think it's uh, the first thing was just to get them as a resident on campus, um, having them work with companies. But our goal is to you know kind of grow this into a, a joint research type uh, uh, engagement where we can kind of, um, you know, help advance their curriculum and programs while at the same time drive some of the more innovative research um, and federally funded work that we do. That's very good. So the other side of the coin is the types of partnerships and uh, I guess usage of the facility by private sector partners. And you recently had two new, two of your partners, uh, Toyota and, and Daimler announce uh, projects, new projects, I guess, or expanded projects at ACM. Can you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah, and these are actually two, they're on two sides of the spectrum in terms of, of companies that engage with us. And I, I think they're very good, interesting examples because Toyota was there from the beginning. They were a founding member of ACM. They were one of the early automotive companies that came in and made an investment as part of the public-private partnership to, to stand up ACM. And so they saw the need for this and they've been increasing their testing and residency on campus for some time. Um, they currently are in a, a few of our garages uh, and they started to realize that there was just a lot more engineers and a lot more work that they wanted to have on campus. And so they, they essentially doubled down 
um, their investment and are expanding their capacity to more than twice the size of what they're at today in their own purpose design building with their garages and their laboratory space. Uh, and you know they've made publicly stated a commitment to invest another roughly $6 million just in the next five years to help build out that facility, to relocate engineers on property, and to have that drive-in, drive-out access, right? Because they're getting out on the track a lot more and want to be able to do their testing, come back to their labs, get their data, analyze their data, go back out. So they're on the, the engineering side of our partnerships, uh, using the facility for you know testing and validation. And we expect to see their uh, you know Toyota there for, for many, many years to come. Uh, Daimler is on the other side, Daimler Truck North America. Uh, because they came in from the marketing side. It wasn't their engineering group that wanted to come to ACM. It was the marketing group when they realized that on a closed track, you know, or closed test facility like ACM with the airports nearby and some of their offices nearby, they could fly in their customers, they could fly in their dealers. And because we can handle class eight vehicles, they can actually put people into their products in a controlled safe environment and really showcase what their products can do. And so Daimler's investment uh, publicly was a, you know, three-year, $3 million marketing partnership uh, through which we built out some very specialized off-road test environments. And they've been really active at getting their customers on property and, and onto the test track and, um, you know, you know putting, uh, putting customers into seats of vehicles. And, and so they're using it to help um, sell their products. And, and that also cued us in at ACM to the broader opportunity that some people want to test a product, some people want to showcase a product. Mm -hmm. And they often are very different parts of the businesses. And equally, as much as people are testing, we think that there's a huge potential for people to demonstrate yeah. what they can do as part of their business development. Yeah, because I know that there's this, there's some of the survey data of the general public uh, is, is revealing in the sense that uh, I think the, the general public needs to have the opportunity to be exposed to the technology and to feel, you know, have a good positive vibe uh, about it. And so uh, you're right. I think the, the testing commercialization validation is going to be really always an important part of what ACM does, but also having the public see or be able to touch this, this vehicle that they're being told uh, or, or system that's going to be put on the roadway. Um, I think it's going to be important in the future. So speaking of that, you know, what there's been, and I've been around this for now almost 10 years. There was a lot of hype uh, where we were all, you know, four or five years ago going to be, be driving around, driven around the vehicles that were connected and autonomous. And as I've come to learn, um, the problem to, the problems to solve are significant uh, and require a lot of great design and engineering. So, for you, you know, what advancements in connected and autonomous technology that are being demonstrated and tested at ACM do you think customers are going to see uh, on the roads in the near term? Yeah, so I, I've, I've been through hype cycles on a number of different transportation revolutions, or and and so I, you know, for me, it's par for the course. It's always a disciplined march to get to mm -hmm. the end. There's always great these these punctuated periods of, of innovation where something big happens, and then, right. but you know, usually it's it's a it takes you know decades to really deploy new technologies. Um, one of the challenges we have is a lot of what we have done in our facilities confidential. So you know, the automotive you have competitors on a track together testing, and sometimes the same day in different environments, and so they're very uh, you know um, secretive about what they do. And, and sometimes even if we know what they're doing, we can't we can't say. But I can give you a bigger picture set of trends. I actually had to sure. talk about this at Motorbella recently uh, in terms of where we see things headed. So. Um, 
what, what I have been seeing is an emphasis on what we call level two technology. So on a scale of called zero to five, SAE publishes a, a, a set of uh, classifications on you know, five being fully automated and zero being you know, just getting warnings and notifications. A lot of companies are focused on what they call level two, which is you're getting some assistance from the vehicle in terms of steering, braking, acceleration together, uh, along with all the alerts, um, their assistance or advanced driver assistance systems or ADAS technologies, but the driver still needs to be engaged. They still need to you know, have their hands on the wheel and are paying attention. Mm -hmm. And so those include things like lane keep assist technologies, speed um, uh, or adaptive cruise, uh, technologies, traffic jam assist technologies, things that are assisting you. They are in many ways automated, but you actually have to be in control of the vehicle. Uh, some people are advertising them. There's no official classification, but level two plus, I hear that a lot. And I think what people are trying to convey by that is really the technology in their mind is more, more capable. It's, it's as close as they're going to say it's automated without saying it's automated because they still want you, the driver, to be in control of that. So we see a lot of work happening in the areas of level two, level two plus, and, um, uh, and, and people trying to, in the technology side, trying to see how much they can get out of their vision systems, you know, testing the, uh, the edge cases. I think really trying to probe, like, you know, how much can you get out of your camera system and what, you know, and how far can that take you? There are companies out there that are um, advertising, they won't call them level three, but they're, they're basically saying in their certain environments, you can take your hand off the wheel, right? And for those technologies, they're always seem to be coming with driver monitoring systems. So yeah, you can take your hand off the wheel, but they're gonna have things watching you to make sure that you're paying attention because that's the big problem with level three. The driver still needs to re-engage themselves if something goes wrong. And some people don't think that's gonna happen. But on certain kinds of highways and roads, right? Like you're talking like a one-way highway, there's a barrier, there's no cross traffic, it's a well-mapped highway. You're gonna see more, um, and they've already advertised, more automated technologies where mm. you can take your hands off the wheel. Um, when it comes to like level four, um, it, it's a little ways away from, you know, personalized vehicle, your own personal vehicle picking you up and whisking you away. But robo taxis, we're seeing, you know, driverless robo taxi demonstrations happening in cities, shuttle companies in very specific operating environments. Um, I think those are all going to be happening in pockets. But again, it's a little ways away. And then a lot of people would say it's a coin toss how far away true level five is where, you know, your car picks you up and you go to sleep in the back, it whisks you right. away. For me, the tipping point is, is after 2030, right? It's somewhere after then, but it's hard to say exactly when that, that point in time is going to happen. That's good. Thank you for that, that perspective, because I think that's that we, we read a lot in the popular media. And then, as I know, being exposed, uh, sometimes doing some representation for ACM at these big conferences, you get a sense of how complicated an engineering problem this is and why a facility like ACM is so critical um, at this juncture. So let's close out. So, um, you know, you talked a little bit about what's happening in the near term. What are some long-term strategic goals that you have uh, for uh, ACM and for activities at the facility? Yeah, I think that was one thing that excited me, uh, Paul, about joining ACM. By the way, it's one of the reasons I joined is I, I really viewed it as having a lot more potential for what it could be to its customers than solely connected and autonomous vehicles. I think when it was originally conceived, uh, there was probably a belief that there wasn't gonna be much bandwidth to do much else than just connected and autonomous vehicles. But the more we listened to our stakeholders, the more it became clear that they, once they were residents, they wanted to do more and different things. And so we're always trying to listen to what the opportunity space is. 
Um, many people may not realize ACM is not just a test facility. It is a campus as well, and we're growing that campus in terms of residents there. But I think when we look forward, there's a, there's a few different areas that kind of have piqued my interest and we're really digging into explore. Um, the first is, you know, not just ground-based mobility, but mobility in all dimensions, right? It was always conceived of that ACM could potentially participate in uh, advanced air mobility or, you know, uh, drones and so forth. Being adjacent to an airport is actually a double-edged sword. You can, you can fly, but you can't always fly, right? You're in a controlled airspace. But we've been working with groups like Detroit Aerotropolis and others to figure out where on our property could we do more advanced air mobility? And specifically, how does that tie into what they call intermodal work? Because the way goods are gonna move in the future, for example, might be on a rail, they have to then be transferred to another mode. Maybe it goes onto a cargo drone. So there needs to be a place that can do that sort of research, intermodal research, uh, and then also potentially looking at the actual uh, drone work as well. Similarly, some of the car companies are getting into you know, uh, vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, right, or advanced air mobility. So there's a connection between the ground-based transportation and, and what where transportation goes from there. So at a high level and it's longer term, we're looking at mobility in all dimensions, advanced air mobility. Uh, electrification obviously is a near-term uh, thing, a strong push towards electrification in the infrastructure bills um, and in all of the industry push towards zero emission transportation. ACM has a 90 megawatt substation that's a remnant of the GM plant that used to be there. And a lot of people don't realize that that's a really unique asset. Even the utility companies don't have a 90 megawatt substation sitting around. You know, to put that in context, you could charge 25,000 level one home chargers off that infrastructure, or you could even run multiple battery test facilities uh, or, or even commercial charging. So we've been looking at that 90 megawatts and saying, what can we do at our, pro on our property inside the fence, which is for research to test extreme power charging. So very, very high power charge testing, interoperability testing. There's some things I can't say that are coming in the spring, but involve advanced forms of, of charging. So what can we do on electrification, leveraging that infrastructure? And then outside of the fence is another key area for us because um, while ACM has its own campus, we intersect with uh, some of the uh, major freight movements, right? There's freight corridors down 94, 275, as well as with the airport. And we have the capacity where uh, ACM could be a commercial refueling station for high power EV charging. So trucking, first mile, last mile vehicles. So we're looking at that as a potential growth area. And then hydrogen has come up uh, a few times. We have two of the largest auto companies using hydrogen for their passenger car, but also getting into the heavy duty space. There's a big push through Department of Energy to look at hydro clean hydrogen hubs. And so we're looking at the possibility of, of being that commercial refueling uh, place as well. So um, on-campus activities, testing and R&D obviously are there, but how else can we engage outside the fence with the commercial sector on deployment um, is another key area. Well, Ruben, thanks thanks so much for spending some time with me and uh, providing this, this update um, that we can now share with lots of other folks in the community. I think that one of the things that's always important uh, is, is, is that we, we do try to, to bring the public into knowledge about what is going on in this facility because there was so much public support um, to develop it at, at the very beginning. And you're doing, a, you're doing a tremendous job in making sure that, that that public investment is resulting in very significant things for, for our community. And that was, that was the vision. The vision was, uh, you know, we had been the leader in mobility as a region for a century. And now with these new technologies, um, potentially it was something that 
others could try to take away. So think about Silicon Valley or so. And that's not to say that that kind of research isn't happening in those places. But your leadership at ACM is really giving us a continued, uh, uh, you know, presence and emphasis in, in, in the future. And, and, you know, I really want to thank you for all the work that you're doing there. And again, I appreciate uh, you spending some time with me uh, for this podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it, Paul. And I'll just kind of leave on one point. You know, it's a, a, ACM is more than a test facility. It's an ecosystem of companies. And it's also a key piece of infrastructure in the state of Michigan, right? right. That I think is, is really valuable, not only for the development that happens here, but eventually in the commercial deployment of technology. So to your point, it adds a significant regional strength, right, to what's happening on mobility in Michigan. And that's really the goal is to, to strengthen Michigan. And, and Yeah, to cl close out in maybe a timely way, the Biden administration just ran a competition uh, to identify regions across the United States, limited number of regions, um, to work on specific advanced sort of uh, technology work and ecosystem building. And we just received word, and it's, this is today, the day when we're talking, that uh, that Southeast Michigan, uh, and you participated in that process as well as Spark did, uh, was selected as one of the, 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 I don't know how many they picked, so I won't go there, but I think it was between 20 and 30 across the country. And so we now have an opportunity to compete for, um, you know, up, upwards of, of $100 million for continued growth. And I know we emphasized in our, that application all the things you're working on right, at ACM. Right. So really looking forward to that. And, and you know, as we as we develop that and over time, I want to make sure we, uh, we bring you back uh, so that you can, from time to time, uh, talk with the, the, the folks that listen to this podcast about what's going on at ACM. So again, thanks a lot for joining me and uh, have, a, have a great day. Yeah, thanks a lot, Paul. Thank you for listening to Conversations on Economic Opportunity. We hope you'll like and share the content you heard today. For additional podcasts and information about Spark, visit annarborusa.org.